We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 128 of the pod. Matt Rooney, alongside myself, Joe Musso, bringing you uh, some sort of sunshine, hopefully, to your Chicago sporting landscape because there isn't much right now, Matt. No, I'm pretty dead um, inside. One of the one of the really doldrums of sporting landscape across the United States of America, but we trudge on. We do the work that needs to be done. We hold someone's got to do it. Those who need to be held accountable, accountable. I don't know why I'm talking. Like I'm campaigning, but that's the cadence that I feel right now. It's kind of you're talking like you're campaigning because we're at, we're almost getting <laughs> campaigning a little for bit, a head coach. No, we're we're getting a little bit robotic at this point because honestly, like it's the same thing every week now. It's the yep. Bears stink, the Hawks still stink. Jim Boylan can't coach his way out of a paper bag. It's a terrible time to be a Chicago sports fan. Things haven't changed in the last three weeks, and it's about all there is to talk about. So it's you kind of have to come out here and keep confirming. Uh, what what we know to be true and that things are very, very bad and look very, very bleak and quite honestly don't look that great for the future either. With that said, Matt, we're going to steer clear. How's your week going? We're going to steer clear of Bears futility for a moment here. Fine with that. Uh, They don't deserve it. We will get to it, but what what needs to be said has already been said here on this podcast. It's the same thing week after week. and um, The offensive line stunk. Mitch stunk. Nagy stunk. Defense choked when they mattered most. There you go. You watch the Bears game. We'll, we'll scratch the surface uh, at a couple junctures here, but uh, what we're going to do here right off the bat, Matt, is uh, we're going to apologize in advance for uh, any any coughing, any audio that uh, that you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. I myself have a little uh, respiratory something going on, and Matt is unknowingly coming off a uh, – a short Sam Darnold stint, yeah. I think one could say. A little bit of mono. People, uh, you know, it happens. Happens to the best a, of us A sometimes. touch of the touch, mono? touch of the mononucleosis. It was a mild okay. case. Uh, we're on the mend, though. We're, we're off antibiotics. We're doing good. We're taking a little bit of break from the, uh, from, the, from the alcoholic beverages for probably another week or so, but we're doing good. I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling back to myself. And, you know, Vegas on mono, unknowingly having mono in Vegas, probably not the best thing in the world for my liver, <laughs> but... We survived. We advanced. We persevered. We're here. We're talking sports. We're happy. We're happy to have you here, Matt. And I think I speak for all the Moose and Runes listeners when I say congrats on the sex. And let's dive right in. We I got to be honest rank. with you. This last week, <laughs> this last weekend, not going out and not drinking, like because I can't was feel like a new man. Awesome. I did not yeah. do anything other than sit on the couch, watch football, and play Call of Duty. It was great. I feel fantastic. You. I feel like a new man. I'm telling you, you move to a city that's not your own, and and the the drinking, the alcohol intake definitely, you know, starts to temper. And as I, as I get a little older here, it started to temper from my, uh, from my fastball days, 24, yeah. oh, 25. And it, it's amazing the how now. the body feels. It's, it's amazing how the body feels, uh, on a Sunday morning with nothing but, uh, Right, water, you, water, and maybe one extra plate of pasta. You, you wake up at like eight o'clock, and you you feel okay. Let's and not then get crazy. Sometimes, okay, fine, nine o'clock, and you feel okay, <laughs> and maybe you stroll over to the Palace Grill and grab some breakfast like a normal there person and not hungover. It's fantastic. Sounds like a nice little weekend. Yeah, Might watch now, the Bears game. I don't know uh, if there'll be time. Well, Sunday ruined it for that. That did ruin it for me eventually. Uh, well, Matt, we are glad that you are on the mend here and uh, with us for episode one twenty eight of the pod. But as we said, really. 
a dark time in Chicago sports. And it led us to the question, when you look at the leadership of each and every one of these franchises, it's really a pick your poison of ranking the head coaches in Chicago sports right now. It, I mean, it is. It's been it, obviously you're not here listening to you know the, the talk radio around here in the podcast, but probably the last week or, or so, this has kind of become the really ever since they hired David Ross, <laughs> the Cubs mm-hmm. hired David Ross. It's been kind of floating around there, and now it, it's kind of taking center stage with the Bulls really off that bad start. The Hawks lo- looking very very bad uh, the last couple weeks is. There's really not a steady hand leading any of the franchises in the city right now. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. from a from a management standpoint, sure you can call Theo Epstein a steady hand if you want to. That's fine. Um, but after that, like, th- there's really not much to hang your head on and saying this is you know we're not good, but we're headed in the right direction. We got the right guy leading us. There's just there's, there's uncertainty everywhere. And even with the Cubs, even with Theo, you're not sure about the hire. You're not sure about his ability to kind of maintain. Uh, you know the dynasty hopes that you had uh, with, with the current talent because it's been a- been unable to to surround it with with winning talent. Mm-hmm. So I, I just my frustration is that these uh, you know leadership dictates direction, and when there's no leadership and, and, and you're looking towards head coaching for leadership, then that always gets deferred on front office because they made the decision to put leadership in place, but. I think we've been out in front of each one of these. Like when maybe not Matt Nagy, we were excited mm-hmm. about Nagy. We were excited about his offense. We were excited when he won Coach of the Year last year, but we were not in favor of a Joel Quenville firing. Uh, we were not in favor of extending Jim Boylan. Um, when you're looking at these decisions that have been made at the highest levels of management in these franchises, you can't help but scratch your head and say, "What the hell is going on?" Mm-hmm. It's. I, I, you were kind of saying like we, we weren't really out in front of it on Nagy. We kind of had some high hopes for him there, and I'm still not totally certain that those hopes are completely dead if you get a quarterback in there that doesn't necessarily break his brain. But like you look around, like you, oh you no, I think it. it's I think it's broken. Not to not to go straight into it here, but him I, him coming out and saying he I should stunk, say the play calling stunk, Mitch stunk, the defense stunk. He he, he is he's the one. I have. he has turned the corner. And started to take a little bit of ownership for the ineptitude of this team, and he, not just he's the put one it off on reporters and started to deflect questions. I, I think he might be turning the corner in terms of yes, we actually do stink. Where mm-hmm. do we go from here? I, I still have a little bit hope for him to kind of get it figured out because as I, do I. I because I, say what you want about him, it was still a twelve. I know it was a last place schedule. The team overachieved last year. It was still a twelve and fourteen. They still beat some pretty darn good teams. And they showed some signs of being a really good football team last year. But, I mean, you look around and, like, you you didn't watch Jim Boylan's press conference last night, but you've seen the clip because it's gone viral because mm-hmm. he's talking like he's coaching, uh, you know, a, a mid-major contender for an NCAA tournament. But I got to develop my bench so, you know, come March we're ready. No, no. You don't develop. Yeah. You were in the NBA. It's, you worry. Your final bench, seven minutes. Your best players yeah. are in. Your starters it, are this in. Is, this is this is a guy. You, whoever's going to give you an opportunity to hold off LeBron James and the Lakers. Exactly. This is a guy. Nothing, who last year. We, last year, you know, it was one of his first games against. The, they were playing the Celtics and they lost literally by like sixty. But when that first unit wasn't playing well, he had no. He broke the you know quote unquote unwritten rule. Of he did the you know the the hockey line change he, he pulled out everybody he yanked everybody did the complete you know complete switch and, and put it in the entirety but he had no problem doing it last year to starters but this year when he's in a chance like 
I, this team's obviously not winning an NBA title and in this year or anytime soon. They're not even close to that. But a team that had playoff hopes, playoff aspirations, you're not coming in this year to develop. You're coming in this year to win games and let your stars develop and learn how to win late, not hoping that Ryan Archie Diacono figures out how to place a lockdown D on Contavious Caldwell Pope with five minutes left and you're slipping because he's not going to play basketball for you when it matters down the stretch. I, no team plays their I'm bench down the, the stretch emphasis. of the tight game. I'm fine with the emphasis still being on development. But the best way to develop in those situations is to have the guys who are going to be on the floor in the future on the floor and give them those experiences. Yeah, develop your stars, your core. Exactly. Because they don't exactly. know how to win yet. He's the bench is going to be like that. The bench is going to be completely different when you're ready to win. Exactly. Look at any team's bench year over. There are few teams whose benches are still in place outside of I mean, you even look at the back end of the Clippers bench and it's changed. Yeah. But there are few teams that rely on their bench in moments like that. No, you, your bench is guys that you kind of pick and choose from in free agency, pick up off the scrap heap that you think are, you know, fill roles that you kind of need. The guys that you play, the guys that need to win are your starters. And quite honestly, Laurie Markin and Zach Levine, they don't know how to win yet. So let them figure out how to win. Don't worry about your bench. It's it's mind-boggling to me, and this guy are, are, is already signed an extension. Uh, for those who were, we got some lawn work were, in the back at Joe's. It's okay. It's okay. They get it. They they know. Yeah. They know. I apologize here. It's okay, um, guys. I, I apologized for the for the uh, potential coughing. Don't worry. You, you guys so. aren't having car trouble. You, you, there's not a lawnmower outside your house. It's just at Joe's. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's that for me. We'll, I mean, we'll we'll do our rankings, but that for me puts him as if we're ranking. One through five, best to worst. He's by far at five, and I don't think it's all that close. Um, um, yeah, why don't you why don't you go ahead and and I guess we can give do us that. your let's let's do the ranking because um, this is it's Nagy's got to no be one. one for there's me. no there's no one. There it's has two, to be. It's it, two way. It's two and it two way. I'm not giving anyone one. You don't think there deserves to be a number one? I'm still I I I, I abide. Not how it is right. Now. right. I abide by the rules of the list, and the list say there has to be one because okay. someone's got to be first up there. And there is still a coach here that has a division championship that has a 12-win season under his belt. I'm, I'm going to go with Matt Nagy because I still – I know a couple weeks ago we were very down on him, and I said I think he's broken. I think he needs to be fired. I think he's be- – I don't th- – that was more in the moment. I don't think he's beyond fixing. I think next year is his make-or-break year. But I think once you get a quarterback that he maybe trusts to run his system and all that, you might have a chance to salvage it. You still got a good defense. I, I like him at, 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 as having. Oh. That's a long guy. Uh, I like him as a twelve and four division winner at number one. Number two, honestly, like where do you even go? Do I do? I, is David Ross the second best coach in this city David without Ross having coached a, a game? He has to get an NA because he's never coached a game before. Okay, in his then, life. Even, then who? Even like, if he had, if he had coaching experience prior to, maybe. But he he has zero coaching experience. Okay, so then are we life. just doing four? Are we? You want to do let's the top four? Do, okay, let's do four. It's sad that I, I have to go with. I, I probably have to go with Jeremy Colleton as the second. Very reluctantly, uh, I don't think he's done a very good job with the Blackhawks. I'm not sure this locker room was ever a very winnable situation for him to come up and kind of completely change the way. They do things. Duncan Keith was on uh, Barstool's hockey podcast, Spitting Chicklets, a couple weeks ago. And he essentially, they asked him about Joel and what it was like to play for him. And he kind of said, like, you know, with Joel, there was no thinking. It was more just go out and play hockey. And I think that was a little bit of unintentionally condemning what Colleton's asking these guys to do. 
He's asking some of the best players in the world, the best players in the history of hockey, to more change the way they play, change the play their system. That said, I think in the right situation, the right fit, Jeremy Colleton's not a bad head coach. It's just not working here. So I'll have him at two. Uh, Rick Renneria, three, uh, just because he's not as bad as Jim Boylan at four. I think Rick Renneria at least has a locker room one over and knows how yeah, to, knows how to build why. relationships in a clubhouse. I don't think he's very good in-game, but I also don't think <laughs> it matters as much as Jim Boylan's decisions in-game. The clubhouse clearly likes him. They gravitate towards him, and that's that's and that's something. The, that's that's the reason why for me I flip flop uh, Renteria and sure. Colleton. Sure, I can't because, say you're wrong yeah. there, and, and I haven't watched enough Blackhawks hockey to be really critical of him in the last year and a half. Like, or since like he I said, if he's in the in last a, year with a different he took group, over. if he's coaching like a young kind of more impressionable <laughs> group, like like he was when he was in Rockford, I think mm-hmm. it's you know it's not a bad system. I, I don't hate what he does i just i think he's a little bit in over his head and i I think he's trying to reinvent the wheel with a core that doesn't really need the wheel to be reinvented but But go go on to my point yeah to my point no one deserves to be the number one here uh so i'm putting uh velko panovich uh who's that the fire that's the fire head coach okay do we my number one oh you know what the uh the chicago red stars the the women's soccer team here Uh they just lost in the final so whoever's Mm -hmm. managing them how about them we're going to do a Google search. He, he and or she. Uh, Chicago Red Stars head coach is, uh, that would be Rory Dames. Rory so, uh, Dames. Good on you, Rory coach Dames. Dames. Uh, uh, manager, shout out, manager Dames, I think they call him. Shout out to manager. my cousin's wife, Michelle Wenino, a former Red Star. She's oh. very jacked up for the squad. Um, He's the best was, coach in the city. That was a wedding full of women taller than me, um, if that needs to be Soccer said. Soccer players? Soccer players. I thought soccer Tall. players were always a little bit. You know, no, this was like she, uh, had the full, she had the midfield out there. Okay, she had like okay. center back, goalkeeper, and midfield. They were all What's like that? 6'2". Oh, yeah. It was, um, yeah. And they were in heels, so they might not have been that tall, but I remember being like, okay, this is, uh, this is a dance floor where I feel a little so, bit emasculated. So it was a tough day to just be 6'2". <laughs> It was a tough day to be a 5'11 guy, you know? Hey, you're only 5'11? I, I, I tried to give you six foot. 5'11 and a half. There's a line of demarcation there that I just – I, can, I can't claim six foot. I, uh, I, I one time measured in at Billy Dickens' uh, <coughs> home in home in locker room uh, measurement that he made himself at 6'2", so I'm sticking with 6'2". Six 6'2", two. Six two, that's a lie, Matt. It is a lie, but Billy Dickens measured – That's an absolute <laughs> lie. Uh, uh, I, Billy Dickens measured <laughs> – measured me that one time so i'm sticking to it uh six six two uh six two in your programs five eleven in your hearts hey that, whoa, 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 whoa. i'm taller than you joseph no i know i know um but matt we, we digress here uh let's talk a little bit specifically about the bulls because that's where we're at in life right now um sure. last night they go up they led by as many as i believe 18 or 20 was their largest lead against uh, the yeah, I best it is. los angeles lakers and they, they looked good playing, for a while they were like, playing inspired defense they were getting into passing lanes um, they were physical with ad in the post even though he kind of still had his way in in many ways but uh, you know forced him to be more physical than maybe he likes to be at times got yeah. into a little bit of foul trouble they did everything you need to do to beat a team that's markedly better than you on paper um, it was an impressive three quarters of basketball. Then you could tell the youth tightened up, and um, you know, a a eleven zero run turned into a tie game, turned into a eight point deficit, turned into um, me losing a bet because of a stupid uh, three pointer made at the at the end of the game. But I actually won the again, bet, so it was great. That, that's good for you. Thank you. But uh, what did you see last night against the Lakers that maybe makes you I don't know optimistic about this team over the next? 18 months? 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to pull up a box score here because I do want to have, have some final numbers in front of me. But I, I, uh-huh. I've, I've been a little bit harsh on Zach Levine. He seemed to take over at times last night as a guy yep. who can be a top-notch scorer. That said, I don't think that's I don't think that's anything new. I think we all always known he kind of has that potential when he wants to. But he was able, not to cut you off, he was able to do that last night because that's what L.A. was doing to get back in the game. L.A. was yeah. playing a lot of iso ball. L.A. was throwing into the post, getting away from A.D. L.A. was giving it to LeBron at the point and letting him dribble drive, maybe kick. Um, it was kind of iso basketball on both ends of the court. Now, if Zach Levine's trying to go one-on-five against the Clippers or a team that plays a complete type of basketball, it's going to be trouble. a lot harder. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of trouble. Uh, I, Wendell Carter Jr. had another double-double last night. That guy, he, he, he's very raw offensively. I mean, you can see some skill there, but he's not mm-hmm. fully developed on the offensive end. But, man, if he can if he can just kind of come along a little bit, obviously he's only 19 <coughs> years old, so um, you know, if Jim Boylan wants to develop somebody, that's, that's maybe one you can mm-hmm. keep your eyes on. 11-11 and 11 last night. I think that's his third double-double of the season already. That man plays... Big boy nope. defense down low. No fear. He is no not fear meeting LeBron at the rim. Anybody. No fear meeting AD at the rim. He is very um, quickly becoming my favorite. And it, it pains me to say, as a, as a how many as a Duke guy, he he's quickly becoming my favorite player on this team. And I, I think he's going to win over the hearts of Chicago very quickly because we, we like those types of guys, those grinders, those guys who aren't afraid of anybody. Um, he he is fantastic. He's an absolute home run of a seventh overall pick, and he played. I, how many how many offensive boards last night? Four offensive boards, seven defensive yeah, I mean, boards, eleven. So he had eleven and eleven. Uh, yeah. I, I really like him. He's only, he's four and nine from the field, so like he, he's not taking a bunch of shots, but he's taking efficient shots. And if you're a guy like that who's shooting pretty much fifty percent from the field in in limited spots, I think you're going to be all right. Kobe White, it, I did not realize how smells, good of a game he had off the bench last night. Eighteen yeah. five and four. Um, I'm starting to get to the point where he's thinking this man is starting. Wendell like twenty and twenty and ten. He kind of has a twenty and ten vibe about him. He can um, down he's, the road. He, he's showing flashes of a guy who's kind of able to hit that fifteen footer consistently. And man, if he can, you know. Probably not going to be during the year this year because he, he's got some other things he needs to work on. He's only 19, but man, if he can develop mm-hmm. that in the off season next year or two, that consistent 15 to 18 footer where he can step out on the pick and roll and knock that down, he's going to be an, an elite big man and a, a throwback kind of elite center in this league. Yeah, um, which I think the uh, correction is starting to happen at the center position. You're seeing a couple bigs, and I know it's still not in vogue, but you're seeing some bigs. They're coming back a little bit get up and down the court and be, be dominant in the post like that. I mean, Anthony Davis isn't your typical big because his skill set is so different, but he can do typical big things in the post. Um, oddly enough, you saw Dwight Howard have some success last night, your typical defensive big. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still a place for it in the NBA. Uh, looking at the slate tonight, some great games. I know the Warriors aren't what they once were, but you got Rockets Warriors, Bulls on a back-to-back against Trey Young, still a little bit dinged up, but he's back with the Hawks. Uh, the fan favorite Kings playing the uh, Toronto Raptors, the defending champions. And you got another good one in the Sixers and the Jazz and the Bucks and the Clippers. So an Sixers Jazz night, will be a fun one to watch. An that's, exciting that's be night a good one. For, uh, for NBA fans all across the nation. But that leads us to our NFL whip around. Let's, uh, let's dive Yay. into the games from last week, Matt. Sure. <laughs> um, despite the futility in Chicago, there has been some. Uh, some fun finishes. It's been a fun NFL year, just except across the, the NFL. Bears. We're halfway through it. 
we're not yet at the point where we need to worry about, hey, we're getting close to the end of it. But uh, Oh, I'm already there. I'm already panicking. Yeah, I know. You do that like way, way too preemptively. But oh, yeah. uh, got to prepare ooh. yourself mentally. Oh, we lead thing. I got something to talk about after. That was a, no, we'll, that's we'll get there. Guys, we'll get there. No, no, go it's after? good stuff. No, it's good stuff. We'll go after. Okay, don't forget. I won't. Because this is, uh, oddly enough, as, as I start getting sad that football season's winding down, this also uh-huh. is my favorite part of the year, and we'll get to get to that while Perfect. later. Go on. 49ers-Cardinals. Uh, yeah, we lead things off on Thursday night with the only undefeated team in the NFL, the 49ers 8-0, taking care of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Uh, I know I've said it before on the podcast, uh, not eating my shoe yet, but I've been very impressed with the play of Kyler Murray. Another... Efficient. Um, he was efficient, He's efficient against but, a very good defense. But just like numbers aside, decision-making aside, in the fourth quarter, down by two scores, he was confident enough to lead his team down the field. That's like something that you want to see out of a rookie quarterback, despite what the offense looks like, despite his size, despite his metrics, despite his numbers. If you can lead your team back within a score, I mean, they didn't finish the job, but if you can lead your team back within a score... You're already doing things beyond a rookie level. So, yeah, um, it, Thursday goes to the Cardinals there. Thursday nights are always weird games, and that probably had something to factor into it. But, you know, the, the best team in football now, the only undefeated team, arguably the best defense in football, came yep. into town in a divisional matchup, and he didn't really shy away from the moment. He played pretty well, and like you said, gave him down two scores in the fourth quarter, gave his team a chance to win. Week after week, the 49ers continue to kind of check these boxes because people just don't believe in them yet. I kind of get it. I kind of understand why and where fans and analysts are coming from. But they checked another box, and it's the biggest one this last week, the quarterback box. I understand the Cardinals aren't exactly the 85 Bears defense, but Jimmy Garoppolo, 28 of 37, 317 yards, four touchdown passes. They've been giving Jimmy G a hard time because he's handing it off and they're getting a lot of production in the run game. But this was a game that he had to get it done through the air and he did so. Yeah, it was a game where they really couldn't, they weren't bad on the ground, but you know, from what we've seen from them do this year, you'd call this by their standards, a game they weren't really able to get much going on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was 100 yards on 30 carries, so not terribly efficient, but they were able to figure it out. Um, and teams Card- are going to make Jimmy do that. Yeah. Beat us through the air is what they're going to say. That that's the way the the way the 49ers have played uh, the obviously through whatever eight games now. That's the way you should approach the 49ers until this week. Yep. Jimmy G has shown he can. Um, I'm still kind of waiting to see the 49ers to pass a big test. I mean, you can call at the Rams a big test. Well, but here you go. This the week. Rams aren't. They, they got the Seahawks this week at home on Monday Night Football. Monday Night the Cardinals. But so I mean, <coughs> their their next five game or four of their next five. They got Seahawks, they got the Packers, they got at the Ravens, they got at the Saints. Uh, and then one with the Cardinals kind of mixed in there, which you'd think they'd probably get the better of them in that one. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out in the next five weeks. I think the 49ers are a very good football team. We'll find out for sure in, in the next five weeks here because that schedule doesn't get, uh, d- d- doesn't get any easier. Texans and Jaguars uh, woke up to a 26-3 victory from the Texans and 20 points of fantasy football for Deshaun Watson. Owners, can't tell you much about this one because my eyes were closed, but... Uh, it oh, yeah, that was early over there for you, right? The three-point performance, yeah, 6.30 was the kick, I think. Uh, the three-point performance out of the Jaguars does, does play a role in the benching of Gardner Minshew and 100%. the starting of Nick Foles. And as we said on Twitter, Matt, just keep our future uh, quarterback upright. <laughs> Boy, we will get to that in the mailbag. <laughs> um, yeah, he- Gardner Minshew wasn't good, but he also didn't really get much help. Leonard Fournette wasn't able to get anything going on the ground. Uh, Jags receivers had some drops, and then in the second half, you know, when you're playing from behind, uh, Gar- Gardner Minshew, I like him. I think he's a nice quarterback. He- he's not the kind of guy you want throwing 
45 times to try and lead you for a second half comeback win. Redskins and Bills. The Bills win this one 24 to 9 behind a balanced attack per usual. Um, I think that this game, regardless of the final score, told us a lot about the Bills uh, in a negative aspect. Uh, they, they just don't have the explosiveness that they're going to need down the stretch or in the playoffs. And I think, uh, you know, working side by side with a diehard Bills fan, uh, I get a good pulse on the team. And right now at 6 and 2, they're very confident that it's going to be playoffs one and done. That, yeah. That's the type of team this is. I mean, they play good enough defense and run the football well enough to beat anybody on a given week. That yeah. said, like, they, they also have. I like Josh Allen. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but he's such a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride, which you're going to get from him each week. You, you can run the football well and play defense well one week and not get enough from your quarterback in the playoffs. That's enough for you to lose a game. So it, they're really kind of a coin flip. This, uh, no matter who they're playing, whether it's the Redskins or the Patriots on a given week, it's, it's pretty much just a coin flip for them. Vikings and the Chiefs. The Chiefs sneak out of there, or sneak, they were home, but sneak out of there with yeah. a 26-23 to win over the Vikings behind two fourth-quarter Harrison Butker field goals, a 54-yarder and I believe a 44-yarder for the win, dead down the middle on a day when kickers struggled mightily. Harrison Butker was the hero in Kansas City. What a name, Harrison Butker. Oh, one. and Tyreek Hill is probably the freakiest athlete in the NFL. Yeah, he put that out there too. Terrible human being, but he he can run really, <laughs> terrible, really terrible fast. Terrible human being. Uh, he yeah. can catch the ball. I, I think they showed the uh, when uh, Damian Williams had that like ninety-five yard touchdown run. They showed Tyreek Hill catching up to him. Um, nobody really seemed to catch that he absolutely should have been flagged for holding because he grabbed like the, there was a DB that was kind of like he was running side by side with. He literally he didn't gra- grab him. He, he grabbed him the arm and then shot him. himself forward. He did not chop but himself. Yeah, it, he he go back and shot look at it. Let's check. That. He you guys get on there. moved him. That's how fast no, he, he grabbed the wrist and shot put himself forward. Everybody was taken by that play because it was, you know, it was something you don't see. But something you don't see also was the diving play he made, I believe, in the first quarter. That touch, his first, the touchdown, the first touchdown of the game. He was with oh, his was head. He was with his head over his right shoulder and just laid out to his head over his left shoulder, made the catch, had the wherewithal to stretch it out and get in. There's just a – there's another level of athleticism there that only a few guys across the league have. I, I do think this shows you – obviously what the weapons you have around you matters, but it, it shows you how well coached of a team the Kansas City Chiefs are. The fact that Patrick Mahomes has been out for two weeks now and they at home had the Packers and a chance to win. Uh, and they beat the Vikings at home. I mean, they're you're getting they're production out of with Matt Moore, who couldn't move the ball when he was with Miami. Exactly. Hey, Matt yeah. Moore made a playoff one year. Speaking of Miami, the Dolphins get off the Schneid. They get to one and hey, seven. Hey, Their first win of the year. Uh, I don't. This is like the reverse uh, Dolphins popping champagne. You know, when when the yeah. last team undefeated. Do you this think is like, Mercury Morris pop champagne? I think Mercury Morris. I don't know what I think about He's Mercury Morris. He's still out to drink champagne. He might be. He might be. I think. Uh, I think we allow it. I think we'll allow it. But uh, this was an ugly game. They they beat the Jets twenty six to eighteen. The Jets couldn't even beat a team that was trying to lose. Sam Darnold. I mean, there's a lot of good there, but there's a lot of bad. Um, not to harp on the seeing ghosts thing, but it seems like he's still seeing some ghosts. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick tapped into a little Fitz magic. It was an ugly football game, but in the end, the Dolphins get their first one of the season. Yeah, I mean. This one happened. 
Um, it's it's weird to see how far the Jets have fallen from, you know, it was a pretty nice win against Dallas. And you kind of had them yeah. thinking like, oh, Sam Darnold's back. Like, this is the team we kind of thought we were going to see. The team Building all, a little something here, the, yeah. The, the team that you would opening week lost to <coughs> Buffalo, you know, by whatever the one point, even though they lost the turnover battle by four. Like, oh, man, maybe they're, they're a good team. And then it's just no. Who would have thought that a loss to the Patriots at home on Monday Night Football would break their brain? Like, you'd think they're used to that by now. I wouldn't think that would be the type of loss that would kill them, but it did. They're dead. So, Nonetheless, a pair of 1-7 and seven football teams lobbying for picks. Uh, we move on to the Eagles and the Bears, 22-14, to 14, the final in this one. The Bears remember in the second half that you have to score points to win a football game, but too little, too late. Colts and Steelers. Steelers win 26-24 to 24 over a Colts team that lost Jacoby Brissett in the first quarter after Quentin Nelson got his ankle and his knee, what yeah. it looked like. And then uh, in the fourth quarter, the guy who you, in the league who you have the most trust in with a game-winning kick on his foot, Adam Vinatieri, catches one off the hosel, much to the thanks of the laces being in. Uh, this one could have been a 27-26 to 26 win just as easily for the Colts, but Benetieri misses one bad wide left, 24-26. to 26, The Steelers take it. Yeah, Colts were kind of playing with fire all afternoon. They, they were the better team most of the afternoon, but they just kind of couldn't execute it, it a lot of the time when it mattered most. And it, right when uh, when Brissett went down, Hoyer kind of had them in that first and goal or that goal-to-goal situation. Minka Fitzpatrick runs it back, so instead of seven, uh, being up 17-3, you're tied 10-10. They got all the momentum, and the Steelers, give them, give them some credit, took a lot of advantage of the bounces that were kind of going, the bounces that went their way. That lauded offensive line of the Colts struggling a little bit, not just in pass pro when uh, Brissett got hurt there. I think they're still pretty strong in pass pro. I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but uh, being a Marlon Mack fantasy owner, they aren't running the ball as effectively as No, it's, 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 it's been dropping off a couple weeks now. Uh, they didn't run the ball that great against Denver. It really, since that Kansas City game, it feels like mm-hmm. you know when they absolutely bullied <laughs> Kansas City up front for all those yards, they haven't really been running the ball the same. Um, if they can get that back on track, they're as good as anybody in the AFC, in my opinion, but it's, it's easier said than done. Titans and Panthers. The Panthers win this one 30-20. Christian McCaffrey continuing to have a historic season, pardon me, under uh, a little bit of underneath cloak and dagger. I think a lot of people look at him as, you know, this big-time fantasy asset, but at the same time, they don't give him the credit where the credit is due. Mm -hmm. I feel like the... MVP conversation right now needs to start and end with Christian McCaffrey, and it doesn't feel that way. I think there are three legit uh, MVP candidates right now. I, I think, or at least there should be. I think it's Christian McCaffrey. I think it's Rus- Russell Wilson. I think it's Lamar Jackson. We can kind of get to Lamar. I don't think his numbers are there, but I mm-hmm. think kind of what he's done for that team. He, he totally. Value, in terms of most valuable. Um, but yeah, C- Christian McCaffrey's right there ever since even – Ever since Cam went down and they've been winning all these games, it's because Christian McCaffrey is getting all these touches and putting up these insane numbers. I said when they announced that Cam's going to the IR, just snap it straight to Christian. Let's like get to the point here. We're not, we're not tricking anyone. Let's go Christian Cat. I like that. Um, I like Christian Cat. Raiders and Lions, 31 nice to 24. Too. The Raiders uh, survive the Lions behind a... Uh, fourth quarter drive, Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro, nine-yard touchdown for the game winner with two minutes remaining. Um, the Raiders are just a hard team to put your finger on. They're, Both they're of team. these teams are. Yeah, the Lions are they're too. They're very, I think the very Lions, similar to me. I think you know what the Lions do. Um, the Lions are going to pass the ball. The Lions are going to air it out. Uh, Matt Stafford's going to throw for 300-plus, in this case 400-plus and three touchdowns. Uh, the Raiders, on the other hand, 
they're they struggle to pass the ball, but handing it off to Josh Jacobs has just worked for them and he's really taken a beating in his rookie season, but offensive rookie of the year favorite right now. Um, they're really offensively relying on his play. Derek Carr's keeping it on the rails, not really making many mistakes. Unfortunately, when you look at this team and the makeup of this team, they're a star wide, star wide receiver away from being a really dangerous offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had a star wide receiver, is they what did. I told at the beginning of the season. They tried, uh, yeah. Then, then he didn't he really want to play. a little bit. Um, yeah, he just didn't want to play football. Uh, here we are at 4-4, four and four, but the Raiders are definitely an interesting football team and going to give any opponent a, a lot of trouble on that side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, they're just weak in the back end. Um, I'm surprised the Lions didn't score more points on this secondary uh, and, and a linebacker core that uh, leaves much to be desired, too. They get a little bit of a pass rush. Uh, they got the rookie outside and uh, Cleveland Farrell and the other rookie, Max Crosby, who are going to be great pass rushers for a long time. But there are pieces that need to be put in place for them to have any sort of playoff hopes. Yeah, uh, I, they're they're lucky that they're in a year that the AFC is, it seems a little bit like, well, it seems a little bit wide open. I mean, mm-hmm. the Patriots and Ravens have kind of separated themselves as, as the two teams to beat. Um, but after that, like you're looking at the Bills, you're looking at the Colts, the Steelers, the Raiders. Like those are kind of the teams that are vying for those last two playoff spots. And you could, yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see the Raiders right there at the end. I think <laughs> they're going to keep it up. I think they're going to be in the in that conversation till 16, 17. And uh, we said it last week, but John Gruden's not the joke everybody wanted to say, no, say he's, he was. He's getting he's his a, team. He's getting the full potential out of him. He team. is a very very good football coach, and I think people just kind of forgot that when he was in the Monday Night Football booth. Yesterday, or excuse me, last weekend was the Raiders' first game at the Coliseum in 49 days. Uh, six weeks, including a bye and a home game in London. They were not back at the Coliseum. Now they get a few back at home before uh, hitting the road again here in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. But they get a home game finally, and then a short week will see them on Thursday night. So whoever was scheduling really headed out for the Raiders uh, this season, but still they find themselves at an even 4-4, four and four, 500. The Seahawks and the Buccaneers, this one... Uh, was not necessarily a pitcher's duel. 40-34, to 34, the Seahawks win this one. Just your typical Buccaneers loss. Jameis Winston, Mike Evans showing the unstoppable ability to move the ball, but never really getting the job done. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, hits Jacob Hollister in overtime, a little 10-yard touchdown pass uh, after, a, as we said, a tough day for field goal kickers. The uh, Seahawks kicker missing a potential game winner but uh, was saved in overtime by Russell Wilson and a no-name tight end. I was going to say that you, you said Christian McCaffrey, the, the MVP conversation starts and ends with, I think right now my yeah, I, the clubhouse I could, is Russell Wilson. I could listen um, to Russell Wilson yeah, uh, he, argument as well. 29-43, 378, five touchdowns. Um, it, it was a fun game to watch. It's one the Bucks are going to be kicking themselves for at the end of the year. Not that they're really in the playoff conversation, a tough NFC, but would have been nice for a young core. And, and the, the Bucks are going to have a very interesting decision with Jameis Winston in the offseason because obviously, you know, it's always tough to find a quarterback. And five years into it, you still don't really know what you have with Jameis. You see games like this where he's really showing a lot of potential. I think you, you know, what, know he, what, what he is. The volatility is just too great. Like, the good is really good, but the bad is still as bad as it gets. Yeah, and that's, again, what it's going to come down to. You're going to have a really tough decision to make. Um, they're, they're probably not, unless things go really, really right in their direction. It's not like they're going to be picking number one overall with a chance to get Tua. Um, so it's going to be an interesting decision for them come off season time. The Broncos and the Browns, twenty-four to nineteen. The Broncos win this one, led by 
fourth-year quarterback, Brandon Allen. Uh, never even heard of him. Uh, Arkansas. Baker, Baker can't take down Brandon Allen and the woeful Broncos. They're Talk about a broken franchise, the Broncos oh, right man. now. Um, it could be Browns, worse, Joe. We could be the Browns. <laughs> I was going to say, the Browns are one of the few teams that make me feel okay about my team. So yeah. thank you, Browns. Um, I don't know what, what the hell's going on. Uh, I, they hired a head um, coach, a guy who'd who, never even been a coordinator because he had a good couple weeks with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, he, it's, that, you're, it. you're hiring a manager just as much as you're hiring anything else. You're, you're hiring a, a person to set the tone of your franchise. And if you don't have a tone setter, if you have a Freddie Kitchens, you're, you're in trouble. Like, I don't care how talented your team is. There's no outward leadership. There's no direction. And Baker is the type of quarterback who, when given direction, can go the right way and can get things rolling in the right direction. But, like, you're not handing the ball off to Nick Chubb enough. You're not targeting Odell enough. What are you doing offensively? Like, yeah, like his play, he, it's, it's, another, it's another Matt Nagy situation where maybe this guy is a good play caller. But his brain is so overwhelmed with everything else mm-hmm. that goes into being a head coach that he can't call the plays. Yeah, I mean, so I think last year was your ideal situation. Freddie Kitchens is qualified to be a coordinator in the NFL. You saw that last year, but you also saw who their interim head coach was. And what I, I know, Greg uh, Greg Williams has a, a little bit of a checkered past with Bounty Gate and stuff. But that guy is a tone setter. That guy is clearly the guy in charge in a room when he's speaking. When he's up there, he he's a guy that you know, knows how to be a leader and kind of set expectations, take control and control what, you know, he can. And I think that was the kind of guy you need while maybe not running the offense being the, you know, end all be all saying, I, I think when it comes down to it, the Browns probably missed a chance to, to make him their head coach. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that uh, sentiment. We have, I lost my page. I lost my page, Matt. That's we got okay. Packers and Chargers, another head scratch. Interesting one take one away 26 to 11 for me this is a east to west travel don't worry about the pack they're still going to be really dangerous type loss can i ask you i'm not sure this was a a head scratcher (laughs) i think this is the sandy la chargers every single (laughs) year every single year they have that slow start we write them off they bounce back they reel off some insane win streak and win nine or ten games this is what they do. It's what Philip Rivers oh, does. Oh, so you you think this is a win streak starting win? No, I think it's two in a row. Honestly, I think the Bears one is their win streak. Okay. It's, it's a game yeah. they kind of had no business winning. They found their way in. They got some confidence within a, a win on the road, say what you want, against a talented team. They, they went out, came back, got a nice win. They came home feeling good about themselves, kind of bullied the Green Bay Packers, um, who I, I do think, while they are good, it, they're one of the better teams in the NFC. I, I still think there is some cause for concern there. Um, but this is, I, I think Thursday night's going to tell you a lot about the Chargers and the Raiders. I think one of those teams is kind of kind of start going up and then one might start going down after this, after this Thursday. And that should be a fun one to watch. Keep an eye on it. That's what Matt's got his eye on. We move on to the Patriots and the Ravens in the Sunday night matchup. The Ravens stating their claim over the AFC 37-20, to giving the Pats their first loss of the season. They moved to 8-1. The Ravens moved to 6-2, and two, out 17 to nothing. Then they kind of let the Pats back into it, 17-13. But they took the body blow. They withstood it, mm-hmm. and they got back out in front. That's what impressed me most. Not their ability to get out quick. Not their ability to withstand, or not their ability to finish, but their ability to withstand is what uh, impressed me in this one. Yeah, they, obviously they kind of kept every time something would 
break the Patriots' way. It didn't seem like they backed down. It didn't seem like they put their heads down. They just kind of came back out and kept playing football. Um, and I, I think this game goes to show, I, I've heard some people talk about it, but John Harbaugh, John, yeah, it's John, yeah. is criminally underrated as, as a head coach in this league. For what, for what he's done with that franchise for as long as he's been doing it, without, they're, they're always talented, but I don't think they're ever the most talented team around there. I mean, he's beaten Bill Belichick, I think, twice in the playoffs. He's, he's won a mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Um, consistently, no matter what team people are saying about the talent in that locker room, you know, headed into a season and a preseason and offseason, he's got them in a, with a chance to win that division. He's developed an offense around a quarterback that is you know, limited in certain areas. There's no doubt about it. Lamar Jackson doesn't have the greatest arm in the world, but he's developed an offense around his personnel instead of the other way around, instead of trying to develop his personnel to his offense, his system. Uh, he's a fantastic head coach. And the Patriots, I mean, yeah, this was a bad loss, but they'll still be fine. This is probably your AFC championship Yeah, the last, I was going to say, the last thing you want is a chip on the Pat's shoulder in the playoffs against the Ravens. You, so, you kind of got one now. Is it, The Ravens yeah. taking that team picture at midfield. This yeah, is, uh, especially, the, the Patriots still probably going to be the ones playing that game at home in the AFC championship game. So. Saw, saw a nice clip of uh, Brady dapping up Lamar after the game, you know, giving him his due respect, but also mm-hmm. looking right into his soul. And yeah, like, exactly. Just like itemizing his brain. Um, so I, I'd be worried if I was a Ravens fan. I, I've learned you now. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys and Giants on Monday night. The boys come out of there with a 37 to 18 victory and a scoop and score at the end that flipped the win in Vegas, flipped my win in fantasy, and flipped my mind. So, Matt, I'm going to let you take this. Got to be honest with you, I did not watch a second of this game. I was uh, m- Monday was like my Sunday. It was my off day, and I was uh, I was very buried inside some Call of Duty um, and did not really pay attention to one second of it. So, we're going to leave we're going to leave it at that then. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a a rushing battle. I always enjoy watching those two running backs uh, go after it. But um, yeah, two teams that are uh, actually one team that. I don't know how much you take away from it if you're the Cowboys because no, they've done this all know, year. They a, beat the really bad teams. They struggle against the good teams. Yeah, I think that, the Jets. that might be a, a fair assessment of it. And the Jets. Hey, Sunday night fo- they got Sunday night football against the Vikings this week. That should be a really nice, tough test for them after you know being that team that beats up on the weaker competition to see what they do at home against a, a really good defense and a, a better offense. No doubt. Uh, Matt, let's uh, switch gears quickly here. We're going to jump into a Matt's Hockey Minute because it is a a one-year anniversary of a, uh, I don't know if you want to say franchise-defining decision made in the front office of the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if defining uh, is the right word, but uh, altering, franchise altering, altering for sure. So uh, Matt's Hockey Minute starts with 30, or excuse me, 60 seconds on the clock, and that begins in three, two, one. Matt's hockey minute. Yeah, so it's been a year since the Bla- year to the day the Blackhawks fired Joel Quenville last year, and I, it, stupid. I, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily certain at the time. I thought it was time to move on, and I still don't think it's necessarily wrong to think you might need a new voice, a new guy in that locker room. I'm just not sure they picked the right selection, have the right guy in there to do it. That said, right now, if you ask me, I'd rather have Joel Quenville leading this group. Um, I think what you've seen the last couple of years is, is just – I'm sorry, not the last couple of years, the last year or so is more of an indictment on how the team's been built. Um, and I, I think you have a time – a year later, exactly to the day, I think you have the clock running out on a new on the new head coach. And I, I think it shows that 
the team around it hasn't been built very well. It's not necessarily a coaching issue, and I think you have to start looking higher up the ladder. I think you have to look to the management, the guy running the, the team, building the roster, and have to ask yourself if he Five, deserves to be the guy four, to hire the next head coach three, when there is one. Two, one. And that's Matt's Hockey Minute. Yeah, Matt, I think you touched on a couple nice things there that regardless of the sport, regardless of the current juncture of the franchise, the grass isn't always greener. The problem with no. firing a coach is you got to hire one. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're looking to hire a coach, you're oftentimes going to be hiring what is currently the 31st or 32nd or 33rd or 34th yeah. ranked guy. Like I know we don't rank coaches, but... There's a reason why guys have jobs, and there's a reason why guys don't have jobs. Yes, you're going to try and find the young cat who's going to be a top 10 guy in the future, but that's a risk. That's a gamble. You're bringing in uh, variables then, whereas if your coach is a top five or top three, um, Quenville, winningest coach in the history of the game, I think you sit, you have some tough conversations, and you try and figure things out. Unless there is a home run, slam dunk, can't miss, waiting to be your head coach. It's just, I know it's a year old it's, conversation, no, but it's 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 relevant now. We've been though, given, that it's a year. yeah, we've and been given hindsight's uh, ability to look at it through that lens. You know, clearly Stan Bowman, John McDonough thought the, those guys thought that the coaching was the problem, not the roster. And a year later, a year to the day later we've kind of found out that that's not the case. Last year, I know they had you know the run towards the end to push for a playoff spot. They also had a streak where I think they lost like eight in a row and 11 out of 12. Um, you've seen this year, they're off to a pretty bad start. Now, I'm not going to put it all on the coach because it's not. The effort on the ice has not been there at all times. There's times where they want to go. Patrick Kane even said it last night post games. Like, you know, it seems like every time we take one step forward, we take two steps back. And the effort's not necessarily there, and just because you might not like the system the coach is asking you to run doesn't mean mm-hmm. you shouldn't run it at you know full effort, max effort. Totally. I don't think they're doing that. I really don't. I don't think everybody's bought in, and while it's unfortunate that that probably has to be an indictment on the head coach, that if they're not going to buy into the head coach, you kind of <laughs> have to go another way with it, but they haven't bought into the head coach, and I think that's an indictment on them as much as it is the, as it is the coach, but it, that said, if, if they're not going yeah, to listen to him, they're not going to buy in. You do have to make you got a, a room. You, can't lose you got season. a room full of future Hall of Famers, and you need someone with the stature of a Joel Quenville, or at least yeah, they, they have a guy complimentary the, to that. They they hired an assistant in Mark Crawford. You might have heard that name before. He was the Avalanche head coach in the late '90s, early 2000s for a couple years. I don't believe he was ever behind the bench when they won a cup there. But when what those is it, teams what is were it with really us good, Avalanche guys, you know, it was, worked with Joel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that he was hired as an assistant as like, hey, if this doesn't work out, we do have an established veteran guy who's been there. Yeah. Well, he might not be the – he's not Joel. He, he's still a guy he who's been respect. successful in the, in the NHL. He does have the respect and might know how to handle a room a little bit better. And and I kind of think that's everything with hockey guys. It's, it's a lot of it. And quite honestly, like he's not going to be a young guy who's going to try and come in and change, who's going to worry about his ego and you know, establishing yeah. himself. He, he's already established. He knows that, and he knows the locker room's established. I don't think he's going to come in and try and change things. And we're talking like this has already happened. I do think it happens at some point this year. It, it, it continues this way. It has to. Um, but you know, a, a guy who those guys in the room kind of look up to and know, res, you know, has that respect for them right back and isn't going to try and you know, show them up to try and gain some points, gain some respect. No doubt, uh, Matt. Before we, uh, I guess no. This is this is also in the lamenting. But 
Let's, I hate sports. Let's, let's take a negative and turn it into a positive. Let's give a solution here. Uh, let's dive into our mailbag. We're gonna we're gonna solve the bears in our mailbag. Oh, that's easy. It's not easy. Um, this one comes <laughs> from a uh, is a, a Twitter conversation with with listener friend of the pod Cam Verbecki. He asked, mm-hmm. uh, "You tweeted, um, what was it when the Jags said Nick Foles is going to be starting? He's replacing Gardner Minshew." You tweeted, that's "Hey, it. just keep the Bears' future QB upright." Cam right. tweeted back, "You know, how about Teddy?" Or, what, yeah, I think you mean Bridgewater. I said, I think that sounds like a mailbag. So the mm-hmm. mailbag is Bears fans in the offseason. I think the writing's on the wall. There's about a point zero 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 one percent chance Mitch Trubisky is your starting quarterback next year. Um, would you rather have A, Nick Foles, who would require a trade, B, Teddy Bridgewater, who is a free agent at the end of the year, or C, do we say C, Cam Newton? C was Cam Newton. C Cam D, Newton, who is likely going draft. to be free agent or who's going to be available in the offseason. I think his contract's up. Or D for draft. So that we're. Uh, I'm going to pass this off to you. Okay, I'm before going we get to into that it, answer, I don't then maybe think, we can you know uh, put it out like a poll or something on, on Twitter. In my brain, hope my hope is that there's a point zero 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 one chance that Mitch is a quarterback next year. But I, I don't. I'm not sure that the people making the actual decision feel that way mm-hmm. besides the conversation here, assuming Mitch is not the quarterback cam was onto something there with Teddy Bridgewater, because I think that is the most seamless addition you can make. Like you said, Nick Foles is going to take a trade. We don't have much trade capital right now. We're already strapped for picks because of max trade and because of the pick we gave up with uh, going up to get Mitch. So th- th- there just aren't picks right now to trade. So you're going to have to trade a body and some later picks. And that's going to have to be a substantial body to go get a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't know how easy that's going to be. In terms of Cam Newton, thanks but no thanks. Body's broken. Yeah, I, I hope he finds success somewhere, just not here. In terms of the draft, again, picks aren't really there. You're going to be getting a second-round guy. By all estimations, Burrow's going to be gone. Tua's going to go one. Wherever the mid-level talent is, and, and I, I haven't dug into the quarterback board much yet. I haven't done my Todd McShay yet. It's a project. A second-round quarterback's going to take a few years. We're talking about a window that we're now over the hump on almost as we get into next year. Or if we're on the hump, it's next year. Things are going to fall off and you're going to have to rebuild other places sooner rather than later. If we're seamlessly filling the role of quarterback and trying to win now, Teddy Bridgewater makes the most sense, I think. See, here's the I, I agree that and if I had to pick one, I'd want Teddy Bridgewater. But if you're Teddy Bridgewater, why would you leave New Orleans? Drew Brees is playing what, maybe one? Maybe one more, two more years. Yeah, but you guys. You've seen what you did. Let me finish. Hear me out. Go ahead. You played the last five games here when Drew went down, and you saw the offense didn't really miss a beat. You were as successful. You went 5 and 0. You were incredibly successful in a system with a coach that you get, you know, you like, you understand. Why? The Bears are, if there was a team that might be able to, you know, consider he might consider over the saints that might be one of them because Mm -hmm. they do appear to be kind of ready-made to just be a quarterback away but that knows the division you know that you know the saints you know the culture you know the coach you know the system you know it works you don't know that coming to the bears is going to work you know it works there and yeah i know you got to probably take one more you know one year contract where you're only getting paid only eight million dollars or whatever it is but once that's done they're going to want you to be their starting guy, and you've shown that you can be. You've shown that you can beat anybody as their starting quarterback. So you why just, would you want you to just, leave? Well, the you co- just answered. You just answered the why, Matt, for a guy who's 
had great expectations in this league and went through great trauma, I think the main thing that you want outside of championships and victories is stability. And, and the same for that. One-year contracts are not that. I'm talking about personal stability financially. Looking at the numbers right now, how much do you think Teddy Bridgewater's cleared in his career right now? And it, it's um, it's a big number. It's a big number for normal human beings. I don't remember what the rookie contract is. I think they make like 14 million as a first round pick, and you he's think he made 20. five. So yeah, I he's was cleared say 19, 20, 20 in six seasons. If he signs with the Bears, he can make that in a season. Now I'm at the tail end of a cor- at the tail end of a contract. If you sign him to a three year, four year, whatever, yeah. but he's going to be making more money, more guaranteed money for a longer amount of time with guarantees. Teddy can go out right. there next year. Teddy can go out there next year, and regardless of what jersey he's wearing, that knee could give on him. And, and God forbid, yeah. because he plays the game with joy. He's fun to watch. He's an effective quarterback. But these guys have egos to where they have to look out for themselves and their families, and they really want to be on the field playing. Now, if if Teddy Bridgewater is comfortable being Drew Brees' backup for another year or two, probably two. Then, then good for him. I mean, you're, you're again going to, like you said, make that one-year contract, sign it for $6 million or in that range, and you're going to have to deal with being on the bench likely for the majority of the year, if not for the entire year. You come and play for the Chicago Bears, you learn an offense, you get on the field, and you're expected to go win a division. Like, I think that's what every starting quarterback yearns for. I agree, and I think the Bears are a unique situation that might get him to consider leaving New Orleans and leaving that spot. But if, mm-hmm. if I'm him, a quarterback success is usually hinged on. It, you see, the, usually the most successful quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks, the ones who have the longest tenured careers in the NFL, are hinged on great organizations, really well-run organizations yeah. from the top down. And I love the Chicago Bears more than anything. They're not that. They haven't been that for a long time. And if you want, if the Bears go to him with you know Kirk Cousins' contract or something like that, say, hey, here's three years, $65 million fully guaranteed. Yeah, I, I would obviously think he's going to highly consider that and probably go with it. But outside mm-hmm. of something like that, I think I'm probably rolling the dice that I back up Drew Brees for one more year, don't get hurt, and then the Saints, obviously this would have to be on some verbal agreement with the Saints that once Drew retires, we're extending you, you're our guy. But I would have a hard time leaving that situation knowing how successful he's already been in it. That's a fair point. But that said, if I had to pick one of the draft field, Nick Foles, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm, I'm taking Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy B in Chicago. I honestly I like think it. after that, my, my second choice is seeing if there's anybody in the second round you really, really like. That said, I don't know if I trust Ryan Pace's quarterback judgment, so maybe not. Yeah. At this point, uh, I'd like someone with a body of work. That, yeah. that, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, Matt, we have a body of work, nine games worth of work. And we both sit at four and five. Yeah. A surge from the moose. Three game heater gets me to four and five. You're sliding a little bit. We both Laces sit there. Laces out, Joe. Laces one out. One game under 500. Adam Vinatieri and his holder uh, cost Matt a win this week. But uh, at least a we're going we're gonna to throw you some locks here for this week. Uh, I like the Rams covering three and a half at the Steelers. The Rams are six and two against the spread on the road. Uh, that number gets even better. Uh, I do like that pick, and that's one that I was was highly considering as well. Um, but you <clears> took it before me. That's fine. I'm going to go to the college ranks because I'm struggling with the pros. I, I don't. Okay. It's been a 
you and I have talked about it. It's, it's week after week. It's a slate that we each see. It's like, I don't really like anything here. Like, I guess I kind of like that. It's the best of, you know, it's the best of a bad situation. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the college ranks. I've watched a, don't judge. I, I've watched a lot of Wake Forest football uh, uh, this year. They're, they're on at a lot of 11 a.m. kickoffs. And those I guys, am judging. Those guys, fine, judge me. I love football. <laughs> those guys can score a ton of points. Um, I am going to go with Wake Forest. My, actually, you know what? I'm going to call Uh-oh. it. No, I, I just thought of something. Hold on. I just decision. thought of something. And this is going to tie everything back into what I said that I wanted to talk about before we went to football. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, before we went to the NFL whip around. My favorite time of the year. While I'm also sad that football's winding down, it's my favorite time of the year because Maction is back, Joe. Maction kicked off last night. We had okay. Kent State at Toledo, we had uh, Ball State at Western Michigan. Tonight, Ohio is hosting Miami, Ohio. That's always a barn burner in Maction. I love Ohio. Don't bet against the Bobcats at night. As much as I hate to admit it, Rob, Rob Gallick taught me that. I am laying the seven points in my lock of the week with the Ohio Bobcats. Tonight, wow. 7 o'clock, Wednesday night. Wow. On ESPN. He's betting a Wednesday night game. Lock sad, it sad in. boy. Uh, I like those picks. Four and five apiece. We trudge on. Matt, let's jump into some buy or sell. That was, I think, the latest I've ever changed my mind. That was, that was the crazy. latest you could change. What do you mean? Yeah, I was literally <laughs> saying two and You were uh, about to say saying the Saying like, Wake minus two and, uh, you know what? No. <laughs> God. All right. Let's jump into some buy or sell here. Why don't sure. you start us off? All right. Uh, we're going to – I got one sports one and then one, you know, not as sports one for you. Um Two biggest free agent pitchers on the market. This is pretty easy. Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg. Um, I am going to ask you to buy one or sell one. If you're if you're a GM looking for an ace, which one do you want to buy given a big contract to and which one do you want to sell given a big contract to? Man, I'd take either. Um, Got to pick are one. Pluses, there are pluses and minuses to both. Obviously, you saw Strasburg in the biggest moment on the biggest stage perform better than anyone did this year. Mm-hmm. So, like, the clutch – the execution in the moment, not in question whatsoever. The long-term health perhaps could be questioned. He's struggled with multitude of different injuries over his career. It seems like he's gotten over the hump with that. Now played, I believe, a year and a half of pain-free baseball, almost two mm-hmm. years of pain-free baseball. So that's the only lingering issue with him. He is two, almost three years older than Garrett Cole. So in, in terms of prime and window, uh, he's smack dab in the middle of it. Garrett Cole, by the numbers, just kind of getting into it at 28 years old. I'd lean towards Cole. I think he fits better on the south side. I actually go the – I mean, I, I don't think there's a wrong choice Yeah. Um, because both are studs. I actually lean the other way. Um, I have long since believed that – really that since Verlander went there and turned his entire career around there, that there's just something – Something in the water there in Houston with those pitchers, and they seem to get the best out of them there, and they're not usually as good elsewhere. I um, I also think I forgot who was I was talking about this at work with somebody, but kind of made the observation of pitchers, you know, who usually hit there. I'm more interested in investing in a pitcher who's bit played his best outside rather than one who's usually at his best in a climate controlled environment, like the South, like, like the cell. Um, Eileen Strasburg, because also he's already had his Tommy John. And while it's it's not a lock that you'll never have it again, it, I'm not saying Cole's it's out of the either. way. I totally yeah. There is what, there's a little bit of that to it that there is mm-hmm. he's already had it. He's probably not going to have it again. And I like what I saw from Steven Strasburg in the playoffs. Not that Garrett Cole wasn't great, wasn't dominant, 
Uh, I, I think it's kind of a coin flip, but I think the factors I just kind of gave you, I think Steven Strasburg is a better fit, at least I'm t- talking as a White Sox fan. Um, so I would tend to lean his way. I also think it probably cost a few bucks less. That said, I don't think it's anything that's that big of a deal, but I would lean Strasburg. Fine, you talked me into it, Strasburg. In the south side, Strasburg, Giolito, Kopech, who's beaten those come it. playoff time. Love it. Matt, i uh, got to buy yourself for you. We're going to take it to college football. The first college football playoff rankings came out. Everybody overreact. Scream, light it on fire. Clemson at five. These buy matter. It, sell it. These rankings matter. <laughs> um, I buy it completely, even though they don't okay. really matter, because uh, Penn State and Ohio State would probably take care of themselves. But partially it's their fault. Partially it's not, because the ACC's kind of gone to crap. But that conference has been terrible. Uh, they haven't played anybody. You look at their schedule, their biggest game, their their best win is at home against Texas A&M, who, by the way, hasn't been all that good this year. They beat them 24-3 to at home and, and not that – or maybe 24-10 to it was, something like that, in mm-hmm. not that great of an effort. So I'm kind of – I still think they're good and they will get the benefit of the doubt. And if they run the table, they will go to the playoff, but they probably deserve to just make it as the four seed. I don't think they've done anything to warrant being anything more than that. They're they're a team like Alabama that's always going to get the benefit of the doubt now. But other than that, I I don't see why they should be ahead of any of the teams that are ahead of them. Yeah, I I, I agree with it. I think that there's going to be a lot of jockeying and moving amongst the top six right now. You have a couple Pac-12 teams trying to make a case for themselves um, at, at this point also. Good luck with that. But when it's all said and done, I think Clemson is inside the top four at mm-hmm. the end of the season. I think um, so, so too. So, like, so point being, don't lose your lid over it. It gives people something to talk about for a week. Yeah, and if they run the table, they will be in it because this is yeah. two of the teams, both teams in the top four. They, they they play each other. Penn State plays Ohio State. Alabama plays LSU. So it's it's going Very to take true. care of itself. But. Very true. Um, all right, so it's my turn to ask you something. I forgot what my original question was. I'm not going to lie to you. So um, I'm going to move on here. I found something okay. else that I like. The Popeye's chicken sandwich is back, Joe. I know you're of not course. a big fast food guy. I know you don't let yourself indulge too often because mm-hmm. you know you, you love to work out. You love to keep that body fit and all that stuff, and that's fine. But It's getting awkward, I, but go on. I got to ask you do, do you, do you buy or sell the hype over a fast food chicken sandwich? I mean, I sell it. I haven't right? tried it yet. I haven't either. It doesn't like – I'd like to, but uh. – I know a – this is the thing with me. If you Struck can a chord it, here. I like this. If you can get it at Popeye's, if you can get it at Chipotle, if you can get it at McDonald's, Burger King, or otherwise, you can get it better somewhere in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. There is a world-class fried chicken place 10 minutes from my spot right here in Sacramento. It's called South. Amazing – Creole kitchen. I tried everything on the menu. It's amazing. Gumbos and fried chicken. The biscuits are amazing. Just go to that place. Like they have a they have a Nashville hot chicken sandwich that I've had five times from from this place over here. That's amazing. If I want the fried chicken sandwich, go get it from a local spot that's doing it better, probably with better ingredients, and it's going to come out better. Like there's there's such a thrust to be a part of a challenge or be a part of the newest thing yeah. or put myself on social Man, media. Man, I swear, this is a good question. Sandwich. I'm glad I forgot my original. It's just, like, it's ridiculous. It's it's probably a very good chicken sandwich. I used to eat Popeye's growing up all the time in a pinch, quick dinner, get a box of chicken, call it. Like, it was, it was great chicken. I'm sure their sandwich is awesome. What I'm saying is go find that sandwich 
from a local spot, support somebody in your community, and it's going to be better anyway. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. I'm like you. I like Popeyes a lot. I really like their food. It's, it's no doubt. It's a solid. Like you said, if you're in a quick spot, it's a really nice. It's it's a solid fast food dinner. They got great fries, great biscuits, all that stuff. I drove past there. I was in the suburbs this morning helping out Ridiculous. babysit my niece. Drove past the Popeyes on Lagrange Road at 10:45 in the morning. There was like a 12 car wait in the drive-through already. I just like, why would I do that? Why would I want to wait 12 cars for a fast food chicken sandwich? I don't get it. I don't know. It's just I'm with you. It's, I don't really feel the need to be part of this. Like, oh, I have to. Try it's the, it. at it's some the point, diso- I'll probably it's have the it. dissolution like, of the American psyche. Like I being convinced you need to wait. Ones. You need to wait in line for an hour for a fast food chicken sandwich that's not even coming out of life. I'm with you. I'll just order Roost off Grubhub here. The local is the local spot in like the West Loop that's really River West. It's really really good. I'll just or get that. Get off your ass. Well, that's go sit a at a restaurant. Have an experience with other human beings. Well, for sometimes shit's I sake. like do, sometimes I like doing that, but sometimes on you know like a Tuesday night, put on a pair of jeans and a smile. And go eat somewhere. It's nice out there, Matt. It's not that nice out there, Joe. People ordering ice cream on Grubhub like idiots. Give me another question. Yeah, who does or that? Is it my turn? Who would ever? Or is order it my turn? Ice Matt, cream buy or sell? Buy or sell? For sure. In series wagering, and I asked this saying uh, with the knowledge. Yeah, give, give that, a little background story. Yeah, I got to give some background. Um, I'm just fired up here reading my notes. Uh, Evander that, Kane. That, by the way, that turned into like us having a conversation about fast food to you taking shots at me very quickly. Yeah. I did. I don't appreciate it. I thought we were. I thought we were having a good day here. <laughs> we were on the same page for a second. Um, uh, buy or sell, Matt. Evander Kane during the first round of last year's playoffs against the Vegas Golden Knights, which turned out to be a seven-game epic overtime winner for the Sharks. Um, he did a little did a little wagering while he was at the hotel in Vegas. Went to the Cosmopolitan, took out a forty thousand dollar marker. That forty thousand turned into fifty, turned into seventy. Ended up losing a half a million dollars. Uh, at uh, at the Cosmopolitan, a, and that was all on markers, on loans. Mm-hmm. Has yet to pay that back to the Cosmopolitan, is now being sued in a lawsuit uh, by the casino. Matt, buy or sell in-series wagering. Players going down, uh, playing a little blackjack. I'm not saying betting on games, but uh, you know, scratching the gambling itch during... I- a high stake series. I'm okay with it to an extent. Like if you're in Vegas and I, I'd imagine they're probably staying at one of those casino hotels because I don't really know where else you'd stay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like if you got a day off and you're just kind of chilling, hanging out, you've done, pra- you've practiced all that stuff and you don't want to just sit in your room. I'm okay with that. provided you're not going down and getting like, you know, messed up and, and getting hammered at the blackjack table. I got nothing wrong with that. But I mean, dude, you, Vander Kane's getting paid a lot, a lot of money by the San Jose Sharks. I think his cap hits up around seven million or so. He just mm-hmm. signed an extension about a year ago. He's got the money. Like, dude, j- just pay. Like, I-, I don't see how you can. That's a lot of money, but like the lawsuit's going to cost you more. I don't really see what the point in holding out on this is. It, it, how holding out yeah. on this as long as he has is like. I'm not sure from that aspect, and from an, from the aspect of like just doing it. Coming from someone who just lost a lot of money in Vegas, I'm it's glad stressful. that I just lost it right away. I didn't have that hovering over my head for but like it's, four months in advance. The point is, Matt, you take those L's and it's stressful. It's putting your brain in a place where you're not exactly operating at 100% like you would hope Evander Kane would be in that series. And I don't remember his exact numbers, but I think this was during his playoff slump where he had like seven games without a point or like six games without a point. Um He's a fantastic player, but he's also been someone who's been affected by outside 
variables more easily yeah, than others. That's let, fair let's point. let's put it generally. Um, so I think for some guys, yes. For some guys, just stay in the room, plug in the PlayStation, watch a movie, gets go to a nice restaurant. I, I don't know. It just it would worry me if I was a Sharks fan a little bit. Hey, that you know, I'm not gonna say you're wrong for that. Uh, if that's how, if that's um, you're right on him being a little, a little bit of an off the having off the ice issues the last couple of years. If you're a little bit worried about that, I, I can't under, can't fault you for it. He did have four points in six games last year. I just looked that up, so it didn't affect him in all that, that much. He was, yeah, that, so yeah, he was four, effective in that series. Okay, uh, I know he did have a slump at some point. I'm sorry, he had four points in seven games because seven game series. Um, yes. Yeah. That said. Yeah, you think you kind of have to know your audience, but and maybe he's not the right guy to be gambling, you know, being all that distracted. But but he's also the guy who you would expect it from. Yeah, and like he's also a guy who's <laughs> probably done that enough where he might you know know how to handle himself. I don't know. I don't have that big of an issue of it. Provided, I don't know, you know if he's. I don't know if he still keeps a residence there, but I know he used to live in Vegas in the off season. As, long, too, so. as long as you're doing it, at like you know. Three in the afternoon after practice, and not you know two in the morning. K is I, a hit, though, right? I w- can I just have some of that? Like <laughs> Vegas doesn't need all of it. Just give me a. Uh, yes, they do. It's a lot of. It's a big electricity bill. Yeah, those buildings are huge, man. <laughs> Matt, uh, that's all I got for you. But I, I don't know. Do you have a Vegas anecdote for the people before we say goodbye? Um. Well, I, I guess my. Don't go to Vegas if you think you might have money. That's wise. Those are wise How words. How about that? How about put that? it on Don't t-shirts. Go to Vegas. Print the shirts. We're gonna put those are gonna be the first. I know we talked about certain other shirts that, you know, one was a Mitch one that. I'm glad we didn't print those now. Um, that that those might are... be our first shirt. Don't go to Vegas if you have mono. I love it. Don't go to Vegas if you think you have mono. By the Moose and Roots podcast, uh, Matt. As always, appreciate you sitting down, chopping it up on a Wednesday with me. Uh, hopefully. There are some positive storylines coming out of Chicago in the weeks to come. You, you want a positive storyline? I'll give, give me one. one right now. December 6th, Friday, Wishfest, Andy Grammer, Walker Boom. Hayes. Head to wishfest.com or wishforever.org. Boom. Uh, Bourbon, 115 Bourbon Street on the south side. Great bar. Boom. Huge, huge, at, uh, great atmosphere. Huge bar. Uh, gold ticket, 125 bucks. You're drinking free boom, for boom. the night, eating free for the night. Great people, great time, great event, great fun. Boom, boom, Get out boom, there, boom, buy some tickets boom. for a month out. Exactly. Oh, month, wish- of the di- month of the day? Yeah, month of the day. Month wish of the fast. day. Get there. Buy your tickets. Get your tickets now. They go fast. Thank you, as I'll always, be there. for listening. You can Moose hang out with me. Listeners. And as I won't always, have mono at that point. For Matt Rooney, he can't make that promise. I'm Joe Musso. I won't have mono. I won't have uh, this current state of mono. <laughs> as always, like, subscribe, oh, share it with your friends. Tell your grandparents all of it. We appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.